Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is about the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, according to the Jewish uh, phrasing, from Leviticus chapter 16. Yahweh spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before Yahweh and died. And Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, but in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place. With a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, he shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before Yahweh at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for Yahweh and the other for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for Yahweh and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before Yahweh to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before Yahweh and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil, and put the incense on the fire before Yahweh, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side, and in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before Yahweh and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around, and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar, he shall present the live goat, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. 
The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place and put on his garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you, for on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before Yahweh from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement, wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting, and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as Yahweh commanded Moses. This is the word of the Lord. So the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, is one of the biggest days in the Jewish year. Arguably, I mean, it, it's right up there. I, I've compared to Christmas and Easter just uh, yesterday in the text and really can do that again here. Passover is the holiday that they celebrate in the first month of the year, and the Day of Atonement is the big one in the seventh month of the year. So you've got the two again, just as Christians today celebrate two major holidays, and we orient our calendar around those things in some ways similar to this. All right, so what is the Day of Atonement? Well, to atone for something is to make it at one, right? And break down that word into its smaller parts. To atone for us before God is to make us at one with God again, to make us right with the Lord. So in that word of atonement, you're already seeing the idea of our sins being forgiven. And we see that in this chapter very much so, spoken very specifically and clearly on behalf of not just Aaron, but all the people as well. So, this is spoken after the death of Aaron's sons. Chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, we've gotten through the laws about cleanness and uncleanness, and now we're going to have the, the description of how people's sins are forgiven from them, how they're taken away from them. Now, in order to understand this chapter, you've got to have a view of what the, the tabernacle looks like, and, and later in history, just replace the tabernacle with the temple. The temple is the permanent version of what the tabernacle is. The tabernacle is a temporary setup until they settle in a permanent home. Uh, so the tabernacle is a tent that can be taken down and set up when they set up camp in a new location. The tabernacle then, it has an outer courtyard with a like a curtain that, that distinguishes it from the rest of the camp and the community. And inside of that, you're going to have the altar uh, for the burnt offerings. You're also going to have a large 
basin for washing the things that are supposed to be washed. That reminds us of baptism, by the way. Inside the tabernacle, the actual tent itself, or the tent of meeting, you would have two rooms. The first room, when you first come in, and you enter from the east and you move westward, the first room on the eastern side then is called the holy place. And in here, you're going to have the, well, I'm just going to stick to the sacraments. You're going to have the table of the bread of the presence, which has bread and also a flagon of wine on it. A little bit of foreshadowing, right? Uh, Both baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's food for the priest. Then you have on the other side, so that's on the northern edge, the northern curtain. On the southern curtain of the room, you're going to have a lampstand, the golden lampstand, which provides light to the priest to work inside this place. Only priests could go in here when they were to serve in there uh, throughout the day, particularly morning and evening to care for the lamps. And then on the western side of the room, against a veil or a curtain, this is the temple curtain, right? And Matthew chapter 27 that you talk about when Jesus dies on the cross, it's split in two. In that room, then, on the western side up against that, you have an incense altar to burn incense to the Lord as a pleasing aroma to Yahweh. If you go through that veil, past that curtain, you are in the presence of God, in the most holy place. The only thing in the room is the ark the Ark of the Covenant, which is a box, but on the box sits the mercy seat. It's called a seat, right, in the Hebrew. So that tells us that this is not just a box. The Ark is a throne. It is the throne of God. From which, right, verse 2, I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. It is from this throne that God promised he would be with his people and that he would speak to his people. So this is going to be God's presence in their midst wherever they go. Now, we have to have all that, and a little bit more, actually. So the high priest is the only one that can go into that room, and he only does it once a year, the Day of Atonement. That's the day we're talking about now. Um, I don't know the origin of this legend, which is the idea that um, because death is seen as uncleanness, and knowing that a priest, a high priest, was still a sinner and could get smited by God for his sin and his presence in the most holy place, and they couldn't leave a dead body in there, the the legend is they would actually tie a rope around the ankle uh, so that they could pull the high priest out if he did not come out in a timely manner. Uh, they would have known that the Lord had struck him down. I don't know the, any truth to that or if it ever occurred. Um, I'm, I'm unaware of such things, but I've heard that story enough times that I thought it might be worth at least making you aware of it as you listen in today. So Aaron is being given this instruction about what to do, what the Day of Atonement is, how this is going to work. And he's to do this, right, um, not to come in at any time into the holy place inside the veil, so that's the most holy place, before the mercy seat that's on the ark, so that he may not die. His sons have already died for doing things they were not told to do. Our God is a holy God. We must be careful in how we live and in how we act. And so Aaron is learning here from Yahweh, from Moses, uh, very specifically how to function as the high priest over Israel. So he is to take an offering on the Day of Atonement, which is the seventh month, the tenth day of the month. And he is to offer this before the Lord. He's to offer a bull for a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering. And those are offered for himself to make atonement for himself. And then 
he's going to be offering up on behalf of the people as well. Two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So those represent the entire people. He's going to then make atonement for himself first um, before we see him make atonement for the people. But as he does this, right, so verse 6, he's going to take the bull for himself, makes atonement for himself and for his household, so the priests. Um, this would be more directly his family, which at that time is just the priests, but his family's going to get bigger. Anyway, um, he's going to take the two goats that the people just gave. He's going to bring them before the Lord, and he's going to use the Urim and the Thummim, those two stones for casting lots that are kept inside of the, the ephod on his breast piece. He's going to cast lots to determine which of those scapegoats is offered to the Lord and which is going to go to Azazel. Azazel, in the NASB translation, is translated as scapegoat. In the ESV translation, it is translated simply, uh, transliterated as Azazel. It's not brought into English other than simply by its sound. So what is Azazel? I don't actually have a lot to tell you here. This is what is called well, it's not quite a hapax legomena, which is a fancy phrase in, in biblical scholarship for something that only appears once, but it kind of is because this is the only time in scripture you see it. This is the only chapter. This reference appears nowhere else. The Lutheran Study Bible says this could just be a scapegoat. It could refer to a demon. It could refer to a place. I mean, imagine here then that the, all the sins of the world are taken and placed on a goat and the goat is sent to the devil, Right? Ah, here, devil, here's your sins. I don't know, right? <laughs> There's not anything else in Scripture on this picture other than what we know about Jesus. And so we can talk about that here for in just a moment. So one goat for God, one goat for Azazel. And that goat for God is going to be sacrificed, whereas the goat for Azazel is going to be sent away alive. All the sins of the people are going to be placed on this goat, and it's going to be sent away. It's going to have to leave Israel. It's going to be cut off. You can ask your children on that one, who does that for us? Who takes the sins of the world upon us and removes them from us? You know, Easy connection to Jesus right there. Scapegoat is actually a uh, conversation point still in our culture today. A lot of biblical references are lost. Um, David and Goliath is one that remains, um, but a lot of times these older Christian phrases are being forgotten. Scapegoat is still heard sometimes, right? The scapegoat, the one that they make to take the fall for something. That one might be used enough that it's taken on its own meaning now, but it's got origins, connections to our, our faith, to the forgiveness of sins, actually. So Aaron's going to offer for himself first. He's going to offer up the bull. He's going to take the bull of the sin offering. He's going to take the blood and he's going to go into and through the veil. He's going to go into the most holy place before the very throne of God. He's going to take, he's going to offer up an incense offering so that the the room is covered with incense and the the cloud of incense smoke before the ark, right? Um, So the ark is called the testimony here called the testimony because of what's inside of it. The tablets of the testimony, as we would call them, the Ten Commandments. Um, So you might ask your children, what are some of these things? What's stored in the ark? Three things, the jar of manna, the staff of Aaron that budded and flowered overnight, produced almonds, and then you have the, the Ten Commandments as well. So he does not die, 
We've talked about that already here. So he's going to take the blood of the bull. He's going to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, and then he's going to sprinkle the blood in front of, so on the ground as well, with his finger seven times. He's going to leave. He's going to get the goat for the people, sacrifice it, bring its blood inside, and do the same thing over again. So he has made atonement for the holy place. Even the holy place, because it's with the people and their uncleanness, has to be made atonement for. And he's done that. He does that for the tent of meeting as well here, we see. No one can come in or out until, mo- until the high priest is done with this process on the Day of Atonement. All right, so he's made atonement for himself. Then he goes and he does this for the altar as well. He takes the blood of both the bull and the goat. He puts them on the horns of the altar, sprinkles it seven times. So we've now cleansed and consecrated the holy place, the tent, and the altar. Because again, they're in the uncleanness of the people. Sin is infectious. A little leaven leavens the whole lump to bring up a New Testament picture there that Paul uses. Then he presents the live goat, the scapegoat, and he's going to put his hands, both of his hands, on the head of the goat. He confesses over it the sins of all the people, and then he sends it away into the wilderness. Actually, one of the men of the congregation, who is ready, prepared, takes it out and lets it go. That man will have to wash himself before he comes back into town, into camp, to be part of the community again. Because he's been unclean. He's been near sin. Aaron is going to go into the tent again. He's going to take off all the holy clothes he was wearing. He'll put on more garments, but he's going to leave the holy clothes that went into the most holy place. He's going to leave them there in the tent. They're not going back outside. He's going to offer the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people at this point. Um... Let's see. Verse 20, 27 tells us what's left of these animals is burned outside the camp. And that's going to connect us to the cross of Christ again. That Christ in his death is taken outside of Jerusalem, outside the city walls, where he's lifted up upon the cross to die for our sins. The scapegoat for creation in that sense. And he goes outside of the camp to die. So he, the, the one who even burns the animals, has to wash himself as well before he can return to camp. Now, we've seen this kind of phrasing many times in the Old Testament. This is a statute for you forever. So you get the holiday, seventh day, tenth, sorry, tenth day of the seventh month. Um, they do no work. This is a holy day. It's a day of rest for them, both for the, the Israelite, but also for the people that are living among them, like any, any sojourners with them, strangers in their land. This day is making atonement for them. This day is cleansing them. Verse 30 is important. You shall be clean before Yahweh from all your sins. Again, how does this happen for us today? It's already been done for us by the blood of Christ. And so we rejoice at that. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you. You shall afflict yourself. So, I mean, grief, mourning, right? Confessing of sins. Uh, Like the Lenten theme that we would have together. The priest is anointed and consecrated in his father's place, so the high priest, for generations moving forward, is going to do this that one day a year. He's going to go into the tent of meeting. He's going to make atonement for the holy place, the tabernacle, the altar. And then he makes atonement for the priests, for the people. He makes atonement for all things. And again, that's what Jesus does for us as well. And that's going to get into verse 34. This is to be a statute for you forever 
And yet, we don't do this anymore. Why not? Why doesn't the Christian church celebrate Yom Kippur as a people? That's the question to end on with your children. And the answer is because Jesus has done this for us once and for all. There are no more sacrifices for sin. There is no more blood that must be shed because the perfect blood has been poured out for us. And really a neat picture of this, by the way, is what I've seen in Eastern Orthodox churches. They actually still have the temple curtain, right? We consider it torn down because of Matthew 27, the separation between God and man taken away in Christ. They still have it up as a part of their church architecture, and it's up and it's in place. It shields the congregation from seeing the holy things for most of the service, except when they celebrate the Lord's Supper. Then the curtain is opened, and they receive Christ's body and blood. It's a really neat picture of how this actually has played out. Um, You could use that to teach, right? Christ has done this for us. Christ is our atonement. He has made atonement for us before the Lord. He has gone into the most holy place with his own most precious blood for us. And this is a major theme in the book of Hebrews as well. So very fitting, something to consider. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that practice in other churches. We don't do it in our churches because, again, Christ has taken the curtain away, uh, so we don't need to put a curtain up. Praise, praise.